If you prefer something more energetic, there's always the gymnasium. When you want to keep fit, there's no better place, if you're not afraid of hard work. with the fifth edition of Beauty GPS in the Hot Seat. I'm your navigator, Mary Shook. In the recent years, there's been a massive movement towards personal growth and self-improvement across the United States. It's nearly a $13 billion industry. With the help of social media, there are a lot of so-called gurus out there packing stadiums with 14,000 people because we buy into the media telling us we're not enough. I'm excited to shine the spotlight on licensed expert Jay Nixon, who's been working in the transformation space for over 25 years. Jay Nixon is a certified personal trainer, a certified nutrition specialist, and a certified fitness nutrition specialist. He is also author of The Overweight Mind and owner of Thrive Fitness Studio in Palm Desert, California. For over two decades, Jay has been helping thousands of people reach total body transformation through a cohesive combo of fitness, nutrition, and personal development coaching. We discuss why every diet fails, why it's important to have friends and mentors along the self-improvement journey, and how upgrading your life is just as essential as upgrading your phone, car, or most other things in our lives. Please note, Jay cannot be held responsible for any positive consequences that might arise due to your fabulous appearance after completing one of his programs. Now sit back and enjoy the show. And thanks for listening. Jay Nixon, welcome to the hot seat. Thanks for having me. There's uh, a lot of people in the wellness and coaching and weight loss arena and transformation, and they're all calling themselves experts. Mm -hmm. What makes you a true expert? Um, first off, I don't even like that, that title or that, you know, that denotion or whatever you want to call it, the expert guru, whatever it's, I think what makes me good at what I do. And I don't consider myself an expert is that I, it's my 100% passion. It's the only thing that I care about as far as like my life's work. And so it's how I show up every single day. It's like, it's, it is part of who I am. I don't consider it work. I don't consider it um, a job. I don't consider it to be any of those things. And I don't know that anyone can declare themselves an expert when it comes to health and wellness or fitness or nutrition. I think you might be really highly skilled in one area, but I don't think you could say like I'm an expert nutritionist because there's so many different principles and variables. And, you know, I know very little about veganism. And so I stay in my lane. I don't give people um, information. If they ask me, hey, Jay, what's the best vegan diet that I could be on? Like, I don't have that information. You know what I mean? So I think to use that, the word expert or guru or whatever it is, like so globally, I think it's just a misused term in our industry, to be honest with you. Interesting. I haven't mm-hmm. heard that yet. But you're also very humble. So well, <laughs> <laughs> you weren't someone that I see ha- happen very often where, you know, they had their own personal weight loss journey and they did a lot of research and then they figured all this out and then they're turning around and selling, you yeah. know, the process. Yeah. You, you go beyond that. So I, I want to make people yeah. understand that there's a lot more science and not something where you just decided to jump into the game. 
totally. So I'm a nerd. So I'm, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm medicine, the human body, biochemistry, like it is my, it's my life. So if you gave me two books and you were like, Hey Jay, you can read this fiction book. That was the best selling fiction book of all time. Or you can read this journal on, you know, how the kidneys process magnesium, you know, just to be correct, I'm going to read the journal, you know, because it's just my passion. And so, yes, I've, you know, I've been, I've worked in the pharmaceutical world. I've worked um, in the hospitals. I've worked with the best nutrition companies in the world. So this is my life's work. And I did struggle when I was a kid with, you know, being overweight, being chubby, being like unhealthy. You know, I grew up in the South. I grew up in Texas. So, you know, I grew up eating fried pies and biscuits and gravy and you name it. And so I did, you know, but what I realized is my struggle wasn't with food. My struggle was with the psychology of why I was eating that food. And that went way back deeper into my father being killed when I was five years old. You know what I mean? So it really had nothing to do with Jay loving, you know, little Debbie snack cakes. It was that it was that I was trying to mask my feelings with food. You know what I mean? So food became my addictive thing that I went to for comfort and support. And so that led me into, um, you know, always being like in sports and things like that. So I've always been enamored with the human body and how it works and why it works the way it works. And so, yeah, for me, this is a lot deeper. It's, it's not like, hey, Mary, go eat a salad and everything's going to be great. You know, like I really try to get into like the, you know, what's going on with people, like you said, with skin. So I can look at somebody's skin and say, we got a problem. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you, we got to, we got to get dairy out of your system. We got to remove gluten, but you got some soy issues going on. And I can do that because it is my work. It is my life's passion. And I don't just have this like niche thing that I'm trying to sell people over the internet and like, you know, get your, you'll never hear me use the word diet. In, in any of my marketing, any of my whatever, because I believe all diets fail. You'll never hear me talk about get a bikini body or get summer ready or whatever. Like what I am trying to do is I am trying to give people, I'm trying to give people their life back. And I want them to be able to live a lifestyle that's sustainable for them for the rest of their life. So they stop having to chase these crazy potions and these hacks. I just want people to stop doing that and understand that like, those are those are small blips on the radar and they may give you some minimal benefit really, really quickly, but long-term, they're the recipe for failure. Interesting. Walk us through a, a typical day for you because you have all of these people that depend on you and mm-hmm. you have your Thrive Tribe, you've got you know, your social media, you've got all, all kinds of different balls in the air. So tell me what happens in a typical day. So a typical day for me is I usually get up between three and 3.30 every morning. And, and yeah, so then I do my morning ritual, which is, you know, some form of journaling, some form of gratitude, um, gratitude, a little bit of meditation. And then I'm at my fitness studio by 4 a.m. So people start showing up to my studio around 4.30. Um, we kick off the day at 5 and then it's usually, you know, controlled chaos from that moment on. Between, you know, 4 a.m. and 9 o'clock at night, I'm either training clients in studio um, training clients over the internet, my virtual clients, um, you know, coaching calls, mentorship, masterminds, doing my own podcast. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's, I control, control chaos, but again, it's, it's something that I absolutely love and enjoy. So I don't, um, I don't ever think of it as really work, but my day is, is really constructed around 
helping people become the best version of themselves. Sometimes that's giving nutritional information advice. Sometimes that's, you know, I just had a coaching session this morning, um, right before we jumped on this, with one of my quote unquote fitness and nutrition clients and the entire coaching session was predicated on mindset, limiting beliefs, false narratives, things of that nature. And so the gamut of what I talk about and what I do on a daily basis is very, very vast. I could be talking about kale one minute and then, you know, the subconscious mind in, you know, the next conversation. And so, you know, I've never really thought about it until you asked me that question, but I do talk about a lot of different things and have a lot of different balls in the air, you know, multiple times. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Well, the reason I brought you on because, it, you know, there's a big beauty aspect where it's tied to fitness, health, and, you, you know, your skin being your report card. So what happens that made me really go after you is the fact that other than seeing the transformations that I see people go through, I know that you deal a lot with addiction. So for instance, I had a customer who was sent to me by her mother because she had really bad acne. And we took out a lot of things um, diet-wise and so on and realized it was coffee that was causing her to have these breakouts that weren't completely healing. So it was just inflammation that was generally there. And I explained to her, I said, you know, if you just got rid of this one thing, you know, your face would be entirely clear. I said, everyone's face clears up like within a week when they see me. And this is the one thing I said, you know, forget even the, the acne that's there. Think about just the fact that your body is low in magnesium because of the coffee and you're very acidic and it's le leaching calcium from your bones because now the acidity has to get balanced out with the calcium in your blood. And so you're actually, you know, looking at osteoporosis potentially in the future and your face is trying to tell you this. So right. if you can find some way <laughs> for you to look at, you know, maybe not being addicted to the coffee. So I thought, you know what? This is a Jay mm -hmm. kind of situation. And it's like, what would Jay do? What would Jay suggest to this customer that might help? Yeah. And so just to kind of reiterate what you said, so it we have this weird conception as human beings. Like if it's simple, we tend not to do it. And so, you know, it's one of those things where she would she could probably go to like, I'm using air quotes now the best dermatologist in the world. I mean, the most world renowned, you know, with so many letters and credentials after their name. And they would say, okay, um, here's this medication. I want you to put it on your face, but it could potentially cause you to lose both of your arms, give you cancer. You'll have to remove one of your kidneys. You're going to lose an ear, all these other things. And they'd be like, okay, I'll try that. <laughs> but, but the simplicity of, Hey, let's work on just removing this coffee addiction from your life and your skin's going to clear up like that is almost too simplistic for the human mind to be able to conceptualize. We need hard stuff because it's just the way we've been programmed since birth. It's like the simple things don't bring us the greatest rewards in our mind, but really that's what it's all about is if we would get down to the simplistic nature of like cleaning up the little things then it would make everything else so much easier. But the addiction process is, is vast. I mean, Coffee is an addictive substance because of the caffeine, because of, you know, the, all the, the processes that it goes through. And it's more addictive from a psychological perspective than it even is from a, you know, from a physiological perspective, meaning like we get addicted to not only the feeling, but just the ritualistic nature of drinking the coffee. So there's so many variables and so many steps that someone has to break 
even from like a food addiction. It's not necessarily just the food that they're addicted to, which they are because of the sugar and, you know, the carbs and the chemicals, depending on what it is. But we attach like rituals to our foods and to our, even to beverages. No, that, that makes sense. But so you've learned, and that's actually leading to my next question, because you authored a book a couple of years ago called The Overweight Mind, which is Correct. a brilliant title. Um, and I, I was going to ask you, what have you learned having coming out with this book? Because, you know, when you're working with your customers, you know, you have a certain pool that you see. But when you you have something like a book that reaches out to a greater audience and there's a lot more to learn there. So is it the simplicity that you've learned through the book that everyone has a problem with or what, what is it that you've learned? You mean just like with the feedback that I've gotten from like people who've read the book and what they're, yeah. And so I think it's a, it's a global issue. And so, you know, the book's called the overweight mind. And then the subtitle is the undeniable truth behind why you're not losing weight. But really we could, we could even take that bottom part off and just, conceptually talk about the overweight mind itself and how we as humans how we do things like really all we are is our our habits our standards and our rituals whether they're good or bad and if they're bad that's where most people get into problems because they get themselves into habits standards and rituals that don't serve them and so what i've learned through just talking to people from all over the country and even all over the world after writing this book is that it's really as complex and as simple as unlearning bad behavior and replacing that bad behavior, or I shouldn't even use the word bad behavior, using that unproductive behavior or unrewarding behavior in a manner that starts to be beneficial to what it is that they say they want. And so what most people do is they've got they've they've been programmed with a, you know, it's I use this analogy in the book. Like we upgrade everything in our lives, our phones, our cars, our computers, our houses, everything, you know what I mean? Our skincare even. I mean, we, we, we're always looking for the next best thing, right? But what we don't upgrade is our psychology or the way we think or the way we speak or the way we process information. Like that's one of the slowest or the least, the least valuable things that in our mind that we need upgraded. And it's really the most important. Well, it's what what made you realize it was about the mind? Like, how did you get to this point? 100%. Because I, what I did is, you know, I've been doing this since I was, you know, 19 years old. And I'm 44 now. So I had helped so many people lose so much weight. But there was always a time, a place, or a situation that caused them to fall, you know, to go backwards. And that's human nature. That happens. I don't care what it is you're doing. It, ha it happens to me. But if you've got the proper mindset, and I'll, and I'll kind of reverse engineer this 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 um this question. If you got the proper mindset, you don't fall as far and you don't stay down for as long. So what I found is that I would help people lose 50, 60, 70, 100 pounds, and then they would fall, but they weren't able to get back in the saddle and get back to the things that helped them lose the weight because they fell back to their low to their highest level of training. And their highest level of training from their mental perspective, I changed everything in their life from what they ate, what they did, how they moved, everything, but I didn't change the way they thought about everything. And so, you know, you take yourself with you everywhere you go. And they took that old mental, that old mental program into that new body. And eventually over time, the mind is gonna always win. And the mind was an old program that brought them right back to where they started from. And so I realized 
I got the concept for the overweight mind about two years before I wrote the book. And I kept thinking, I'm like, there's reasons that there's different things I can do to help people lose weight that have zero to do with what they put in their mouth or what they pick up off the ground. And that's when I started to notice the changes. And so I just basically used my life as a, you know, as a lab. And I started to get people to do things differently, talk differently, speak differently, little things that most of the time they didn't even know what I was doing. You know what I mean? I was like, you know, I was using, you know, psychology on them, but it was working. They were changing. And then when they fell, like everybody does, I noticed that they would get back to the, you know, to the the new way, the new lifestyle really, really quickly. And that's when I knew I was onto something. Well, you know, all the best athletes in the world, all the best business people, everyone seems to have like, like a coach or an advisor. Um, do you find it's better to have someone like you as a coach or do, do people team up together? Is it, is it better to have companions in life of dealing with this versus being by yourself? Um, we get nowhere in life on our own. So I think the old, the African proverb is if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And so what happens is, and you see this all the time, people get on these really, these, these crash weight loss things and they'll lose 20, 30 pounds, but then you'll see them three months from now and they'll have gained 40 pounds. You know what I mean? So they went fast, but they weren't able to get far. And so my, you know, I use that analogy to say that I believe, and I'm a firm believer, I've been in the personal development world for a long time, having coaches, being a coach. I always have advisors or an advisor in some area or you know perspective of my life because I know that I can't get anywhere on my own. And I know that I'm better when I have counsel, when I've got somebody I can go to and say, Mary, like this is what I'm thinking, but I need you to help me unpack it a little bit. Yeah. And you know, it could be as simple as that, or it could be something like I could be really, really stuck in like a business venture. And so what I do is I seek out a coach that is performed at a really, really high level in that, that area. And I'm a sponge. I'm like, this is, you know, success leaves clues. And so to answer that question is yes, I believe that, that everyone should have counsel, a mentor, a coach. I don't care what you want to label it. You should have someone in your life that has that is doing at least what you want to be doing or has has done what you want to do. Well, again, you've watched people lose thousands of pounds and through time you've been able to see the bounce backs and the up and downs and so on. So, but even more so, I hear that you have another book that's on mm. its way. Is yes. it lieu of this book or what 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 can we have a preview of? You know what? I haven't really shared the title yet. It's going to come out really, really soon, but I'll give you this. And so what it is, is it's really going to be predicated on a little bit of my life story to start out with about how we all struggle with certain things. We all have that old story, that old program, like I spoke about earlier, that's really running in our subconscious mind. And most of the time it wasn't, we didn't create it. It was either created by a situation, a life event, uh, another human you know, plug this into our brains. And we live that old story over and over and over and over again. And most of the time, the old story is not one of power, not one of, you know, of value to us. And so we kind of use it. Um, most of us, you know, I put a post up on my Instagram um, yesterday that says, you know, it was like your love affair with your old story is what's preventing you from getting what you really want out of life. Mm. And so it's a little bit of that. It's a little bit about helping people get over that thing that happened 
that adversity that they just can't seem to get past. And so I tell really the the long version of my life story of, of how for a long time I was really stuck. Um, I wasn't as healthy as I am today. My mindset wasn't nearly as powerful as it is today. Um, I had a negative mindset, to be honest with you. I thought bad things happened to me. Like I had all of these preconceived notions that I didn't create, but they were created for me. But I was I was for sure living them and it wasn't serving me. So the new book's going to be about that. And then it's going to be about the steps that I took and that I still take today to live the best life that, that I, to actually live the life that I was born to live. And I mean, you know me fairly well. I'm an ultra positive guy. Um, I'm on, I feel like I'm, I have the best life in the world. Like there's nothing that I don't love about my life. I mean, and, and I feel, I want everybody else to experience that same zest. And I don't think most people do. Uh-huh. And so the, this new book is really going to be the formula that I use to get myself into living my best life on a daily basis. And, you know, what, whatever your old thing was, I know this new book's going to help you jump into that new level of life that I know you're craving. You just don't know how to get there. Well, and I, I think it is coming down to the tools because, you know, we are more in our heads than ever before. We're at this generation where everything is so cerebral. But what my concern is, is that we're now living this thing where, you know, we're we're not dealing with adversity. Like everyone has their struggles and, and whatever. And it's we're creating this kind of like victimhood society where, you know, a long time ago, you didn't air your problems. Right. And, you know we weren't thriving on that story, that narrative that you're talking about. And now all of a sudden it's just like, yeah, you know, everything's just going to hell and you feel wrong if you don't say something is right. And so that's my concern is that people are repeating that negative, you know, story and then it's getting contagious. And I feel like it's bringing all of the energy down everywhere, whether it's, you know, uh, something with, with accidents or tragedies or whatever it is, it's just, it's, we're in this victimhood society now that that's what's getting promoted. Yeah. And I see a huge depression behind it. I see a lot of excuses behind it. So I, I think your book, it sounds like it couldn't be better timing. I just did a whole training on this like two days ago. And it's, it's so it's, you know, this is the universe bringing everything up, you know, into, into the forefront for, for both of us, but it, it's as simple as this. And so if somebody asked me this question and they said, Jay, I never hear you, you, you don't get involved in drama. I never hear you, you're never really angry. Like, do you not, so the, the question that they finally got to was like, do you not have those emotions? And I said, listen, I'm a human being. Like, I mean, of course I get angry. Of course I get sad. Of course I get upset. Of course I think, God, I wish that person wouldn't have done that. I said, but here's the differentiation in me versus most of the people I know is that it's important for me to dictate to my life as opposed to having life dictate to me. And the reason, and the way that I get around that is I don't allow myself to dwell on emotions that don't bring me value. And I've never gotten value out of being angry, never gotten value out of being pissed off or drama filled or any of those things. And so what I do is I make the conscious decision to live my life in the emotions that bring me really, really strong value. It's that simple, but it's also that hard. You have to retrain your brain to do that. And lastly, I said this, think about this. Every time this thing rings, your phone, the person on the other end, very rarely, this is, we're conditioned as humans. It always starts like this, like, you're not gonna believe this and it's never anything good. 
It's always, you're not going to believe this. It's always like, this just happened to me. Or so-and-so said this. It's always drama. Like, when was the last time somebody called you and like, you're not going to believe this. Like, this is the most amazing thing. Like, that, if you get a call from me, that's what it's going to be on the other end is I'm going to tell you something amazing, but 99% of the people are going to tell you something bad that happened to them. And I think it's because we're conditioned as humans that we're supposed to talk about the bad shit. Because if we talk about the good shit, we're just bragging or we're just what I'm like, come on, man. Like, I want to hear the best thing that happened to you today. I don't want to hear that somebody cut you off in the parking lot and you gave them the bird. And like, now there was an altercation, like, but that's what people want to talk about. Yeah. And even on social media, you know? Yeah, oh, totally. But, you know, I'm wondering, though, how does that emotion that people are feeling translate into the overeating and the addictions like what where yeah. where does that translate it, you're creating an environment of chaos inside of your own brain so all we i mean this this meat suit that we have is just really it's energy and so we, if you're thinking about energy it can either move forward or backwards it can't just stand still and so if you think about positive versus negative energy negative energy begets more negative energy. And so if I get all riled up and I'm angry and my emotions are, are out of whack and I'm out of sorts, that, that, that causes a different cascade of chemical messengers and hormones in my body, as opposed to if I'm smiling and I'm happy and I'm loving everybody and like this is today's the greatest day ever, like you behave differently. Like most, if you think about this, like most of the time when people are sad, when people are upset, when they're angry, and they do turn to food, they always turn to something that's comforting, right? They'll turn to something that like gave them comfort when they were a kid or something of that nature. And so it's as much, it's as much psychological as it is physiological, meaning that it takes you back to that moment in time where things were okay, even if it was for that brief moment of time. Maybe you had ice cream with your grandparents every time you went to see them. So when you have ice cream, it brings you back to that mental place. And so you make different decisions. And I, get, I mean, Think about the last great decision you made in the state that you were in. And then think about the last quote unquote bad decision you made and what state were you in when you made that decision? It really should be that easy for people to be able to, to differentiate. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I have some questions from listeners. And Let's do it. So, um, I have Carrie in New York and she said she's addicted to adrenaline. She was injured by a famous exercise camp in New York, and she can't do the extreme workouts she's used to doing, and it's making her feel really depressed, and it was her only way of letting off stress. It had a lot to do with kettlebells and things like that, and she said that it took her a long time to find something that really gave her like this adrenaline rush, and then when she found it and then found out that every time she went back to it, she'd get injured, right. and so she can't do that, and right. I've heard similar things with people with the runner's high. Like I had another client. She would always have the runner's high, and only if she was doing like marathon types of things and she keep injuring herself. And so I keep finding that these kind of athletes are yeah. finding depression because they're not expending that adrenaline that they're used to from those physical activities. I get it. And so what I've done, so I, you, listen, I love to run, but I don't get to run a lot because it just doesn't work for my body with all the, the surgeries and things I've had from, from playing the sports. So what I've done is, cause I felt the same way when I stopped playing that, I wouldn't use the word depression for me, but I would definitely had a feeling of loss. And so what I've done is I take that same level of competitive nature and I put it into everything I do with from a passion perspective. 
So like when clients work with me, when you're in my thing, like you are, I mean, you're getting the same Jay that used to buckle up his chin strap and put his mouthpiece in. It's just a more refined, you know, it's just a more refined way of doing it. But I've got that same intensity and I bring it to everything that I do in my business life and in my personal life and in everything that I do. And so I think that's a way that you just have to transfer that energy into some other passion of your life. And maybe for me, I'm lucky. I don't know. But what I get to do on a daily basis, I'm so freaking passionate about. It's really no different than that old passion for playing, you know, for playing football. But, you know, it's also you put the same amount of work into it. You had to do all that preparation for oh. football because you can't just walk on the field. No. And it's the same with your life. You really dedicate that same energy to your life, that same pre preparation. So that makes sense. Yeah, and, and I'm still I'm still working my butt off. I get up at between 3 and 3.30 in the morning. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. a level of dedication to, it's not just to my quote-unquote work. It's to me. It's to my life. And as a competitive athlete, you're always you're always working against yourself more than you're working against the competitor or the game or the whatever it is. And I think if for these people that we're talking about, if they can really just, you know, transfer that energy of what they can't do back into themselves and start to think like, but I can control all these other variables. Like I am in total control of this and use that same energy, that same passion, that same drive as a force for good in their lives and which translates into other people's lives. I mean, there's no telling what they could get and accomplish. Yeah, that's amazing. That's great advice. I have Courtney in New York. Um, she's part of this mom group, um, and they kind of get carried away with the wine, is what they said, because they're all overwhelmed, they're all stressed, um, and and they're just trying to find what's a good substitute. It's like, and it's interesting because I find a lot of women, even in that age group, keep saying they keep joking about the wine. Oh, you know, my life is better with wine, and everything's kind of surrounded in this and they all want to be healthier, but they're all exhausted and it seems to be easy for them. So she wanted to know if they're in the wine group, what would they substitute in that? Or what would you suggest for these moms that are kind of exhausted and tired and overwhelmed? I've got all kinds of answers, moms. So here's, I'm just, we're just going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to take several angles at this one because I think it's so valuable because I, this is something that everybody can relate to. So one of my theories is if you're in the wine group and this is what you guys do and you guys sit around and you, and you have great conversation and it's really important to you and it's bringing value to your life, then one of my theories that I tell my clients is I say it has to be all drunk and no junk. So I'm not, I'm not advocating to get drunk, but what I'm saying is if you're going to have the wine, then what else are we bringing to the table? Are we also having wine and then there's a whole bunch of other nonsense that we're eating while we're having the wine? Because then that exacerbates the issue. Because I don't believe in deprivation. I believe if somebody loves wine and it's like it's part of their passion and then, you, you know, me, you and like four other people, we sit around, we have a glass of wine and we talk about like business and whatever, like I'd be I'd be down for that, yeah. you know, and that would bring value. Like we'd all be jazzed up about that. We're all having a glass of wine. Then there's no harm to that because there's a value add. But if you're sitting around and you're just over consuming wine for no reason and then, oh, there's these little, you know, mini, you know hamburgers and french fries and chips and dips and things of that nature it's really not the wine that's the problem it's your behavior once you start ingesting the wine you know what i mean yeah and you see that a lot like so i always i tell my my clients i'm like because there's listen there's always going to be another party there's christmas is always coming there's always going to be another birthday there's always going to be a wedding you're not going to get away from these celebration events but what you can do is you can show up differently at those events. So 
if you just have to be intelligent about what you're consuming. And it's never usually the beverage that's the problem. It's usually the other stuff you're doing with the beverage. Um, I love wine. I mean, Lori and I will sit in the backyard, have a glass of wine, talk about our days, talk about masterminding, new business opportunities. I'm as lean as you're going to get. I mean, I'm in, I'm in phenomenal shape and I don't say that to be a smart ass or anything like that. But my point is you can have wine and still have a really, really healthy body. It's the other decisions that I make around food choices and my lifestyle and sleep because we get into all these other things. Like if the wine's causing you to stay up all night and not sleep, well, then you got another animal in the room that you got to combat. So you just have to really look at, look at the beverages from a perspective of, is it bringing value? And what else am I doing in association with that that could be causing the problem? Because it's easy to blame the wine, right? Yeah. No, you know, that's, it, it, it's easy. Yeah. It's us it, that's usually not the problem. No, no, that's a really good answer. <laughs> Jade, breaking it down. <laughs> so I have a final question for you. Yeah. It's Mina in Washington. She said... Her father is not in the best health and she watches how he's addicted to sugar and she wants to know, is there anything she can do to help him overcome the addiction? She tries to incorporate different things that are healthy in his meals and so on, but she just, she, it, it, it kills her watching this addiction and knowing that it's affecting his kidneys and his health. What, oh. what can she do as an outside person to help? Yeah. Um, sugar is the most, in my mind, is one of the, is probably the most addictive substance on the planet for several reasons. It's everywhere. Um, it's, 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 you know, it's the only way it's, it's avoidable is if you are a raging lunatic like me that just looks at everything, you know, analyzes everything it's in everything. I mean, we've, we're a society that is addicted to sugar. And the problem is, is that sugar activates that reward center in your brain. They've actually shown that it activates the same receptor sites as like morphine or heroin. You know what I mean? And so if we, if we looked at it from that perspective and said, well, you wouldn't just tell somebody, stop doing that heroin, silly goose. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, but that's what we think with sugar. Yeah. It's, and it's not that easy. Like, they are just as addicted as someone who's addicted to a drug because when they don't get that sugar, that reward center does not get activated. And when that reward center is used to being activated, it wants to be activated. And they will go through a withdrawal period. So, there's, there's some level of like serious like situation there. So my suggestion to her would be, A, does, you know, he, men are really weird. And I'm speaking from a man's perspective. Like we love for things to be our idea. Um, and, and usually they're not our idea. Like I'll go ahead and say that up front, but we like, to, we like for people to think that we think, you know what I mean? We like for people to believe that it's our idea. And so if she can get him to somehow be an advocate for his own health. Cause that's really the only way this is going to work. If okay. he doesn't care enough to be, to even like get in the game with her to have these conversations, then she could beat him over the head with anything she wants. I mean, she could, she could, she could read my book to him and force him to listen. And it's not going to sink in because he's not at that place where he's even an advocate for himself. And so I wish there was a fancy answer that I could say, well, you know, trick him into doing this. And listen, you should do the best that you can do. You know what I mean? Like if you're in charge of like providing nutrition, if you're in charge of going to the store, if you have any control over that at all, then absolutely buy better things, give him better options, do all of those things. But first and foremost, what I would do is I would sit down with someone I love and I would have a heart to heart, honest, vulnerable, calm, keyword, 
because if you talk to a man in an uncalm way, we go crazy and all of our boxes shut and we lose all perspective of life and you've, you've basically defamed our character. So super calm, but just really honest and vulnerable about how you feel about their health. And it's really because you love that she loves him. That's why she wants him to be different. So I would really convey that in a really strong, positive, powerful way, and then get him to get him to respond to that, get him to have some feedback on that. That's really you'll, that's how it's going to start. And then if he'll start that conversation, then there's a whole lot of other things that we can do to start to you know help him get off of that sugar addiction. But until then, I mean, not it just won't work unless she just locks him in a room and doesn't feed him. Well, it was funny because she's like, he really loves pies. And she's like, I'm trying to find all these ways to make pies in a healthy way. And he's like, you know, how come when I eat pie from you, it always tends to taste healthy? <laughs> like, how do you make it taste healthy? It's like, and, and it, it frustrates him, but it's just like, mm -hmm. she's trying to find different ways to do it. And it's just frustrating him. Like, how, how come everything has to taste healthy? Like, <laughs> Well, and that's because he hasn't bought in yet. I mean, I guarantee, like, if, if we were having a conversation with him and she wasn't around, he'd probably be like, you know, her pies are really good. Like, I like, I actually like the stuff that she's making. But again, remember, when you're dealing with, an, when you're dealing with a man, you're dealing with a, a creature that is, it's a whole different animal. Like, you cannot talk to a man the way you talk to a, a female. Most of my clients are females, thank God. Um, cause you guys are way more rational. Um, you, you know, you're, you're in, you're okay with change. Um, and those types of things, you try to change something for a man and oh my goodness, it's, I mean, it's, it, it could be catastrophic. So, so I, can I suggest the third book being about how to talk to men? You know what? That's a great idea. <laughs> That's a great idea. I really think so. Cause it's just like, most of my friends are male and it's just like, for me, I like that there's no change and that things are simple, but I think um, to have that discussion of how to talk to a man, I think you, you hit a lot of good key points. I could, help, I could help a lot of people. I think so. I think book number three is already there. Love Just it. Stay tuned, folks. <laughs> uh, so, Shay, yep. everyone has to come with their beauty hack. It could be anything with health, beauty, whatever it is. And uh, Little Birdie had even told me that your skin was looking better because of a detox, but that doesn't yeah. have it. Um, but what, what is your beauty hack? What, what do you think is just like amazing? Yeah. So I believe that, um, I'm a huge believer in like our gut biome, like everything. I think everything happens in our gut and I think everything is predicated on our ability to control inflammation. Um, I don't care what it is, your skin, the way you, your body moves, the, you know, the, the vibrancy of your, you know, your eye color, everything is predicated on the level of inflammation that you have in your body. And so I'm, my, my hack is to, I'm a huge believer in like probiotics and you know, this is, this isn't brand new. This isn't like cutting edge, you know, stuff, but, um, anything you can do to decrease your inflammation would be my, would be my hack. It would be make sure you're ingesting foods. Like, you know, she talked about earlier, like coffee. I mean, if you love coffee, make sure you're doing everything else in your life that decreases the inflammation, because if you're not, then the coffee could become a problem. So it's not necessarily that coffee is that client's only problem. It's just that coffee is exacerbating the problem to a level where now everything's become a problem. Yeah. But if they control like 10 other variables and they still wanted to have some coffee in their life, they could probably do that. But yeah. there's a lot of steps that have to go into play. So my hack would be take care of your belly. Like that is the, the central nervous system. Like there's a thing called the brain belly access. 
everything you eat affects your brain and everything that happens in your brain affects your belly. If people would start to really dial into that a little bit more, you know, if, if you eat something and it makes you feel crappy, what should you do? Not eat it again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But what we do as humans is like, we'll repeat that same behavior over and over and over again. So start listening to your body, start listening to your belly and your belly will tell you what it does and doesn't like. And then you'll notice like a million other benefits to just having a, you know, a really dialed in, you know, relationship with your stomach. So do you take probiotics? Yeah. So I have, I have my own proprietary blend, not, not a pitch or anything. So I have a product called gut support. Okay. And so what it is, it's, it's probiotics and digestive enzymes. Oh. And so what, what I've learned over the course of the last 20 plus years is that the enzymes that we have in our, in our, in our biome right now, most of the time aren't um, efficient or sufficient enough to break down the foods because of all of the chemicals and the, the nonsense that's in our food supply now. And so by taking digestive enzymes and then incorporating probiotics on top of those, um, it just changes your, your entire gut biome and allows your body to do the things that it needs to do. If you, you're not really what you eat, you're not really what your food ate, you're really what you're able to digest and you're able to break down. And so the better we assimilate food, the better we digest food, the better everything works for us. Well, Jay, thank you for putting up with all the technical difficulties and giving us your valuable time and allowing me to harass you to get onto the show. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you've given us so much amazing information. And cool. uh, I will have all of this on beautygps.com where they can find your books and your supplements. Perfect. Um, and even get in contact with you because you're yeah. still taking right absolutely and i'd love to you know listen if, i'd love to uh, those questions that you asked me if, if i didn't get to the to the actual answer have those people please reach out to me and i'll you know i'll get down to the brass tacks with them on, on how i can help excellent have a Thanks, good one bye. bye our journey unfortunately has drawn to a close i hope you've enjoyed this fifth episode of beauty gps with jay nixon and that you're inspired to upgrade your life a new life of happiness and fulfillment awaits you on the other side of fear, anxiety, and complacency, if you're willing to put in the work. If you'd like to find out more about how to upgrade your life with Jay, please visit our site at www.beautygps.com. Make sure your burning beauty and wellness questions get answered during our next live Q&A every first and third Saturday at noon. Thank you for listening. This is Mary Shook signing off. Beauty GPS in the hot seat is copyright 2019, all rights reserved.